Hello, and welcome to our pricing podcast, Pricing Interviews with the Experts. I am Lisa Fisher, Senior Director with Marketing and Communications with the Professional Pricing Society. Today, we will feature our special guest, Patrick Taylor. Patrick is a Senior Pricing Manager with Stanley Black & Decker. Today's awesome topic of discussion is competitive B2B pricing for complex systems, a topic that will be explored in more depth during the PPS Virtual Summit March 4th from 1 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, where Patrick is one of our compelling presenters. Hi, Patrick, and thank you so much for joining us today on our pricing podcast. We are so excited to have you and look forward to you sharing your pricing expertise. Thanks, Lisa. I appreciate you uh, You making such a nice introduction. Um, I'm really excited to be on this conversation with you. And uh, do you need a little bit of background on who I am for our listeners? Absolutely. For our listeners, please tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Okay, great. Um, so I do have a master's degree in international management. And uh, a lot of my focus on undergraduate work was around economics, although it's a business degree. Um, I've been working for Black & Decker, as you mentioned, since January this year. It's actually a new job for me. But I've been working in various pricing, marketing, and operations type jobs, business development roles since probably the early 1990s. So I've been around a little while. And um, this last 10 years or so, I've been primarily in upstream oil and gas, uh, both upstream and mi midstream as well. So pipeline as, as well as the, uh, the, big, the big systems too. So been in this business for a while, for the last 10 years or so. And um, if you want to know more about my background, I have slogged through telecom and advertising and a whole host of other crazy industries, um, like I said, for about almost 30 years now. And you can find out more about that on LinkedIn. That's also a great place to connect with me. It's under Patrick J. Taylor. Excellent. And I'm sure you'll get lots of requests to connect after this awesome podcast. So we're going to jump right in because I know our listeners are excited to hear what you have to say. So, Patrick, in looking at competitive B2B pricing, how do you collect competitive intelligence that can be leveraged in bids? Well, the thing that you got to remember is that I'm a U.S. citizen, and I work for a company that really holds integrity and accountability as a core value. So legally, ethically, I can't go rummaging through, through somebody's trash can of a competitor. I can't um, be really looking at quotes and bid sheets from a competitor if it's stamped confidential. I really am only allowed to look at things in the public domain if it was a public tender. So um, my best really answer is the, the information that I have about what wins in the marketplace is really based on what we sold or any kind of anecdotal feedback we might get on a price where we lost. Um, my presentation at the virtual summit will be all about how I capture that information and understand the market data from it. Excellent. So if every system a company sells is unique, how can we really compare apples to oranges? Well, every system may be bespoke, but there's usually a common core of attributes that, that follow through different solutions. And the value that we provide to those are seen over and over again, time and time again, we have the same elements. So my comment on that is, is that, you know, with preparation and discipline, you can get very close to a solid understanding of how we need to price our products and services so that we're competitive and we're not leaving any money on the table. Interesting. So you mentioned, Patrick, um, uh, preparation, discipline. That sounds like a lot of time and work. Oftentimes, a commercial team does not get a lot of notice from customers to prepare these bids. So how will there ever be time to do the work that you're suggesting? 
Well, let's be really honest. In truth, there's there's always time for everything. It's just really a matter of priorities. Um, a personal favorite quote of mine is around Abraham Lincoln saying that, you know, he said something about, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. And I really believe with that, that that's actually the truth, that we have to plan ahead to do the work. And my comment is that once you have done your work and you're prepared, you're actually going to make those quotes quicker and easier. So otherwise, what I find happens is typically we spend a lot of time hyper-focusing on costs, understanding our cost balance sheets, what's cost are real, what's going to be the next cost, and can we shave a few costs off here just to make the margins work. And we spend all that time and energy really just trying to create a price point that's really what I consider to be one of the most dangerous ways possible to, to, to price in the market, and that's cost plus. Interesting. So we are selling and making money today. Everyone in the industry does cost plus and management understands it. So why are you saying it's dangerous? What makes it so dangerous? Well, that's the, thank you. Um, the easy answer is percentages lie. Okay. Would you really rather have 5% of a million dollars or 30% of $10,000? Well, when we don't take percentages to the bank, let's be really candid, right? You take money to the bank. And if we're doing cost plus, there's a lot of bad stuff happening. First of all, if we try to make every deal fall on the same margin range, let's say we take an arbitrary management decision around 30% because it's going to cover our SGNA or something like that and get us our net goal. What it means is we're going to treat every single deal that we observe coming through our, through our office as being the same strategic value. So a large deal that might help me liquidate the factory is going to be treated exactly the same as a very small order. Second of all, if we work really hard to drive down those costs, and we, and we still keep asking for that 30% margin or that target goal, what happens is our actual price comes down and we've lowered the price, not because of the fact that we're more competitive or need to be more competitive, but because simply we've worked harder and smarter. And what's really insidious about that is that that margin percentage will be the same, but we're using a lower cost base, which means you actually put less margin dollars in the bank. And again, you know, why are you working hard? To make less money. It doesn't make any sense. But also, the, the flip side of that same coin is that if we um, use that cost plus and our bid was not successful, and these systems are very big and complex, then what happens is you don't have the same volume going through your facility. And what that means is it causes us that next time we go to bid, our costs have gone up. And the net is, is that we even have less competitive position than before because 30% of a higher cost means you have a much higher price. So help our listeners understand, Patrick, why are you saying the costs will go up next time? Well, most times the cost studies are most times. I'm sorry. <laughs> most times when you look at cost, what happens is somebody in finance or accounting will come back and they'll take a standard cost based on our components relative to the throughput in the factory. You know, typically the labor might be given as some, a rate that's kind of a fixed rate. For example, you might say I have a loaded factory rate of $100 an hour. Well, included in that is a, a coverage of the fixed overhead based on the volume going to go through it. So I may have a building or an asset that never goes away. And if I run a thousand widgets through it, or if I run a hundred widgets through it, that same overhead still has to be allocated to the same cost base. Right. And you might say, well, gee whiz, I'd never want to do that. I would never do that in our bids. Well, the reality is, is your financial team is usually working the cost on one side and your commercial team who's doing the bid is, is completely separate. So if you lost that, that really big bid, 
you know, the next time you go to bid your your deal, you're going to be looking at the the forecast again on cost, and somebody's going to say, well, your costs are higher. So that's really what I'm I'm looking at here when I'm talking about it. It really creates what I consider to be a death spiral, and and candidly, I've seen this firsthand in companies. So Patrick, the way you're discussing costs, it sounds as if you are skeptical of the cost data. Look, skeptical is probably a little hard to say, um, a little harsh on that. I I would say that. I'm looking at cost as a forecast. Their best estimate about we are what we are paying for resources and they're allocated at kind of a product level. With these big systems, the product lead times are typically really long. I mean, we're talking about months or years from now. And I'm just real keenly aware that sometimes costs that are attributed to a quote may also be including something that I would consider to be really honestly not really a fixed overhead. So you might have individuals that are on a bid that are uh, a project manager for say, and that project manager is what I'd consider to be kind of a quasi fixed cost. He's not variable because if you, if you don't win the bid, you may still keep that person employed and hopefully you would, right? They're good resources. Exactly. So, you know, the other thing I also notice is that sometimes in costs, there's um, a bit of a game of foot, right? There's kind of this padding effort of it's, it's almost the mentality of if we raise our costs, the sales team will, will quote a higher price and we'll get more money. And I would just really rather, my preference is let's separate the cost and price and let's understand the market price based on our data as much as we can. Look at your costs, absolutely have to understand whether we can make money or not. But if that margin stinks, we're making a business decision. We're not making a pricing decision based on cost plus, we're making a business decision about whether or not we're willing to sell something at a margin that we are not so comfortable with. If not, then we either can walk away from it or we can decide whether or not we think there's another way to get cost down in the structure. So, you know, this, this is something that I've kind of really come to believe in the last 30 years is, is a really important business practice. Separate the two up and understand them. Excellent. So you mentioned that you're going to discuss capturing historic bids and then using that data to understand the market. Isn't that really forecasting, which is what you should or what you just pointed out as the problem with costing? Yeah, I, I won't. I won't hide it at all. My pricing is absolutely forecasting. <laughs> so the the thing is, is there is a difference, and most people are very used to looking at a cost as being a valid number. Like if finance says a cost, because they're sharp professionals and we have years of experience of looking at cost, there's almost a belief that that's absolutely in stone and true. So I'm not knocking these guys. I'm just saying is let's recognize it's a forecast as well, but. Any forecast is going to be wrong. It's never going to be perfect. But if you allow a separate method or you follow what I'm recommending here between price and cost, you're more likely to win the bids that you want to have. And you're going to leave less money on the table than when you try to do cost plus and you look for a margin that may be too low even on a deal that is less attractive because it's smaller. So, Excellent. Excellent. Well, this was definitely some awesome information to share with our listeners. Patrick, thank you again. I know there's lots of um, queries and questions and people are very intrigued. So we invite you to join us again to register for the PPS Virtual Summit on March 4th, where Patrick will take a deeper dive into this very topic. Also, be sure to check out our website for additional topics covered at our 31st annual Spring Pricing Workshops and Conference in our home away from home city, Chicago, happening April 28th through May 4th.
There will be four days of training, discussions, and lots of networking. You will find the full program on our website at pricingsociety.com. Also, if you're social, get social with PPS and subscribe to our blog, The Pricing Authority. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Pricing Society. And finally, don't miss out on the largest revenue management, thought leadership, and pricing discussions on LinkedIn, the largest pricing group with over 14,000 members connect with the Professional Pricing Society. Stay tuned for future pricing podcasts with other industry experts who join us to share their pricing best practices. Patrick, thank you so much again. Are there any final words for our listeners? No, thank you, Lisa. I'm really looking forward to, to sharing more about this. Awesome. Thank you so much, Patrick.